Then you will truly be successful. And we know all things work together for the good. Gotta work together. The good. Gotta work together. And we know all things work together for the good. Gotta work together. The good to those who love God. He has word on your lips. To those who are called. Meditate on your According to his It is day 27 of our 90 day challenge. And the topic for today is boss up. We're starting at Psalm 27. The first verse, it reads this way. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. And that ends our reading today. Our topic once again for our Purpose in 66 challenge is boss up. Rejection is no joke. It is an invisible prison that specializes in the incarceration of hope. Rejection is no joke. Its mission is to deaden your dreams and invalidate your value. Rejection is no joke. If you taste it once, you will never forget it. One sampler will bring with it a lifetime subscription of unsolicited rejection spam. When people reject you or when a school rejects you, it's one thing, but it is an altogether different monster when you feel rejected by God. When people reject us, we automatically reject others. When God rejects us, we automatically reject ourselves. If people reject us, we build walls around our hearts so that no one can break in our home and vandalize our emotional furniture. But if God appears to have rejected us, we put a foreclosure notice on the house faith built and we live the rest of our lives feeling condemned and unworthy. If rejection is the medicine God uses to keep us humble, it sure does leave a nasty aftertaste. It stains the walls of our potential and consistently reminds us of the day when someone walked away. Rejection begets rejection. And soon enough, it creates an infection. Not just in your head, but more noticeably in your heart. I told you rejection is no joke. 
eventually over time, it just becomes normal not to trust anyone. You're paranoid now by default and afraid automatically. Afraid that someone will misuse your vulnerability. So you try to cover the wall of shame with a cute picture frame. But that only lasts for a little while. Soon enough, the tremors of rejection shake your thin sheetrock until the frame comes crashing down to the ground, leaving your image shattered and your stain exposed. And nobody likes their stains exposed. Rejection has long lasting effects on our confidence. When someone experiences rejection, even if you have good reason for rejecting them, like you couldn't answer the phone because a cop was following you or you didn't want to play with their heart and take advantage of their vulnerability. No matter how you frame it, all we hear is I don't want you. And that's what I heard between the lines of my rejection letter to Duke University years ago. I heard you are not good enough. We have 10 other candidates, actually, who shine brighter than you. And the damage of rejection did not present itself when they said it or when I read it. The damage of rejection presented itself when I believed it. That was my first layer. The second layer came when I felt like God was using that rejection letter to say the same thing to me. You, Sean, are not good enough. And if I wanted you, I would have made it happen for you, but you're just not good enough. I hope I'm not by myself. Please put in the comments that I'm not alone. Please, please don't leave me out here alone. This is how I thought. God is God. Surely God can prick the hearts of a faculty to accept one more student. Surely the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So God can veto any human decision, but he did not. God let them reject me. Even though God knew that my faith was on the line and even though God saw me quoting verses and fasting and drinking oil, God permitted it. And if God permitted it, he must have endorsed it, which means... God doesn't want me. Perhaps my disobedience has been the cause of every episode of rejection. God doesn't want me. Perhaps God doesn't have need of me anymore. You know, people who used to think like me and still think like me become so blinded by the peroxide of rejection that they allow their minds to circle in the parking lot of confusion for hours and hours. No destination in sight. And wasting a lot of precious time rehearsing lines to a scene God never wrote. Isn't it crazy how we can interpret the ordinary things of life as a sign of God's disapproval? The wife leaves. God must be divorcing me too. The child dies. God must be punishing me for the sins I committed at a young age. My loved ones committed suicide. And somehow God is using this person's death to judge my life. Repeat after me, Lord, detox my soul. Aren't you tired of putting your life on trial? I don't know how you handle these events in your life, but when I couldn't ask any more questions and when I could not identify any more what ifs, all I knew to do was the worst thing I could ever have done. I gave life to rejection by doing nothing at all.
King David's story helped me to really get it. And this story applies to purpose as well. Because when you develop the joy to do purpose and then you encounter the spirit called rejection, it shuts you down for decades. Psalm 27 and 4 says this, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. David is obsessed with the house of the Lord. There's only one thing on David's bucket list, build God a house. He loves God that much. The place where he and God first fell in love was the temple. The place where worship meant something more than empty sacrifices and strict laws, the temple. When David was suspended from the temple in Psalm 122 and Cyrus finally announced that they had permission to go back into the temple, David ran in screaming, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. David was in love with the house of God. It was a beautiful thing that David wanted to do. In fact, if I were a king, I'd probably desire much more than that. But David had one simple request. Lord, let me build you a house. Lord, let me live in that house all the days of my life. And what does God do? He rejects David's request. Hold up, God. David is doing charitable work here. All he wants to do is upgrade the Ark of the Covenant into something more God-like. But in 1 Chronicles 17 and 1 through 4, The Bible tells us that David was settled and Naaman, the prophet, comes and David says, I'm living in a beautiful cedar place, but the Ark of the Lord's covenant is out there under a tent. Nathan, the prophet, says, do whatever you have in mind, for God is with you. But that same night, God said to Nathan, go back and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord has declared. You are not the one to build a house for me to live in. So wait. I got questions because David isn't asking for a new house or a new car like some of the selfish new age Christians do. No, David is asking to build God a house. And this is what really, really makes me upset. I know you don't get upset with the text. I know everything you read, you're okay with. But why did the prophet Nathan, the key word prophet, get the green light to tell David, do whatever you want? For God is with you. And then the next day, Nathan hands David a rejection letter. Psych, you're not the one to build the house. Are you serious? Why would you play with my emotions like this, God? Why tell me yes one night only to tell me no the next morning? Why allow Nathan to tell me that you're with me? Why let the bank approve the loan? Why let the church grow past 500 members? Why let the cancer go into remission? Why allow my friend to suffer in a coma for six months and then let her die a premature death? Why not just take my life now? I mean, what good is living if you won't let me have what I desire? Can you relate? I sure can. But David does something that I don't even have the confidence to do. In First Chronicles 28, he says, listen to me, Israelites. I had it in my heart to build a house as a place for rest 
for the footstool of our God, and I made plans to build it. But God said to me, you are not to build a house for my name because you are a warrior and have shed blood. What happens when your fingerprints qualify you for one thing, but those same hands are unqualified to build another thing? What do you do when your blueprints don't match God's architectural design? What does David do? Does he sulk? No. Does he curse? No. Instead, David decides to change his prayer. And I want to give you a sobering truth that might not be popular in this purpose pursuit. Sometimes you got to change your prayer. Sometimes you will not get what you want and you've got to accept what God allows. It's not popular, but it is true. David was man enough to stay in God's face and man enough to accept the hard reality that he was not the one. David did not have a temper tantrum and run away because he didn't get what he wanted. You know, some of us are still toddlers in our terrible twos. The moment we don't get what we want, we fall to the ground and curse God. We quit, we give up, and we walk away. But David does not do that. Instead, he accepts what God allows. He announces to Solomon what the new plans are, and then he shares his entire vision and preparation with his tribe. Whatever your temple is, it's only desirable because you invested memories and dreams into it. But David quickly realized if God is still speaking to me outside of his temple, what more do I really need? God rejected David from building, but he entrusted David with the plans to build it. Isn't that something? Ultimately, David yearned for the presence of God. And more than that, he didn't want to be or feel rejected by God. The temple was just a place that reminded him of God's presence. The temple wasn't God. It was just a reminder of God. Listen, don't desire the reminder more than the relationship. Don't desire the memory more than the reality. Sometimes we stay stuck yearning for something that our memory has magnified into a fantasy. But what if God rejected David from building a temple in order to remove fantasy and replace it with faith? What if the loan was denied because God knew you would be enslaved to a mortgage that you couldn't afford five years from now? What if the relationship ended because your desire for companionship died the moment trust was broken? but God is still with you. Even though you may have lost it all, don't you somehow still feel God's spirit hovering over you? Today, put on your big adult pants and trust God again. Even if you don't like the version of calling God has given you, trust God again. Even if someone else gets to do the thing that you thought you'd get to do, trust God again. Father, I thank you for this moment. 
Here is our simple prayer. Repeat after me, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. Help me to accept what you allow. Help me to boss up and not complain when I don't get my way. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, well, welcome back, everybody. Ready for your next act, everybody? See, yeah. yeah. Please welcome to the stage Jasmine Sullivan. Jasmine Sullivan. Hey, Jasmine. Hi. <laughs> Where you from? Philadelphia. That's all right. Boy, you, you went to the mall for this one, didn't you? Well, my mom did. Oh, well, somebody had to go. That's nice. You look real entertainerish. How old are you? I'm 11. 11? Wow. That, I know. Hey, hey, hey. That's how they, they, they come just like that now. All over the place. My kids, 16, 5, 7, and 5, 8. Girls. What grade you in? I'm in the 6th. In the 6th grade? <laughs> Boy, you running over some kids in your class, ain't you? <laughs> hey, so listen, Jasmine, so what you gonna do for us tonight? I'm gonna sing Accept What God Allows. All right, y'all show your love for Jasmine Sullivan. Accept what God allows Even you when you don't understand it And it's working for your good Accept every try
Brooklyn, New York.